Well, Martin Luther King said, we shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. He also said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And these uh, deeply biblical ideas are the springboard for my message today. I've entitled this sermon just simply, What is Justice? And I want to pull us into what justice is from God's point of view and show how it's very different from some of the popular views of justice in society and even in the church. There's been a lot of confusion in our day about justice. Some Christians have even condemned uh, social justice, which I think can be a little confusing since most people in society um, define social justice as just justice in society or justice for society. But this happened also in the 1970s as well with what we call the social gospel. It wasn't so much that social justice was bad, but it's just that certain churches made that a greater emphasis than truth. It was to the expense of truth. So my question that I've been pondering this week is, what does it mean to promote justice as a follower of Jesus? Well, it seems obvious that the Lord calls us to be a people of justice. Uh, the word justice in Scripture um, is, is all over the place. And certainly the concept of justice also is in Scripture. But justice has to do with how people are treated, human rights. Uh, the law of God, for example, in Deuteronomy, um, clearly protected those who could be taken advantage of or those who were neglected. In its basic form, justice is about loving our neighbor. It's advocating for just systems within society. The church, this should go without saying, but the church should be on the forefront of justice work in the earth and really has been through the centuries. Some of the biggest justice causes that come to mind are the following. Sex trafficking, racism, abortion, hate crimes, domestic violence, religious persecution, being driven from your land, refugees, environmental exploitation, sweatshops, child labor abuse, conditions in prisons, legal systems, education systems, police brutality, the mistreatment of women, homelessness, orphans, widows, and many, many other things. All human beings, whether black or white, gay or straight, unborn or 100 years old, male or female, moral or criminal, have certain 
right. Because people are made in God's image, they ought to be treated a certain way. They're sacred. And God has made this very clear in his law. When there is mistreatment of people, exploitation, neglect, oppression, the trampling of the poor, God calls his people to justice. It's never okay to act unjustly toward our neighbor or to close our ears to any kind of justice issue in society. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9 say this, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. The problem with fully aligning with certain political parties or secular movements like Black Lives Matter is that their ideas of justice are impartial. They care deeply about certain issues, but disregard others. A case in point would be the person who rages against injustice toward people of color, but then supports the killing of the unborn. It's a double standard within their justice concept. Or another example might be someone who is passionate about justice for the unborn child, but doesn't really care much about injustice toward people of color. Partial justice shows favor only toward people we care about, often the people just like us or those who are part of our subculture or political camp. But we close our ears to the cries of others in the world, and we cannot do that because our God does not do that. If we are going to be a people of justice, we have to recognize the many forms of injustice and not be selective. It's okay, of course, you know, to have a heart for a particular one. Some of you have a heart for the homeless or have a, a huge heart for victims of sex trafficking or, or whatnot, and that's awesome. We can't have a huge heart for every single justice issue. And sometimes society seems to be really awakening to a particular justice issue, like racism and uh, the Me Too movement in recent years, for example. But we have to be careful not to act like one justice cause. Sorry about that. I know these mics pick up a little bit more than usual. We have to be careful not to act like one justice cause is the most important of all the justice causes. All injustice is a problem to God. Again, as Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to injustice everywhere. Consider these words from the Lord to his people in the days of Moses. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality and you shall not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. 
justice and only justice you shall follow, that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Here's a simple definition of partiality. It simply means unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another. Favoritism. Well, the church, when I use the word church, by the way, um, in this message at least, I'm referring to the church at large, the church big C, um, not just Renaissance Church. We're a part of the big church in America and in the world, but I just want to make that, that clear when I say that. The church in America is deeply divided. And I think we all know that. It is a division of color. White Christians tend to vote Republican. Not always, but tend to. And black Christians tend to vote Democrat. Again, not always, but that's the the bend. Both have certain justice issues in mind that are dear to them. But the question is, where would Jesus be in all of this? And if he was here, would he vote left or right? Would would he vote at all? The Lord does not show favoritism toward one cause. He loves all and it promotes justice for all. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be Democrat or Republican or independent or whatever, but just that we would understand that each party's values are flawed and biblically incomplete. Our role as the church should be prophetic, as one of my friends reminded me of last year. If we are affiliated with a political party, we should not be afraid to call out the hypocrisy and double standards of that party and to call out hate and violence, to call out intellectual dishonesty and bias, to call out partiality. Amidst the modern rivalry between left and right, our loyalty as children of light must be to the truth we really shouldn't fit in too well with either side because Jesus wouldn't. Well, because of this modern phenomenon, largely because of social media, of Christians fusing religion and party politics, the church is becoming more divided and segregated and is losing credibility in American society, fast, like sliding down the slope. Political extremism has become so ugly that the average non-Christian has very little interest in exploring the Christian faith through a local church, at least. It is causing the upcoming generation to have disdain for the church. And this is a massive problem in our day. And we need to seriously recalibrate. 
Listen to what Paul said about this in 1 Corinthians. He said, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Paul said. And if Paul was upset that some were following him, I mean, he was a strong example, right, of a, of a Christian and godly, and Apollos was a, a mighty man of God. And he, if he was upset that the people were following him or Apollos, what would Paul think of Christians following Trump or Biden or whoever, some political leader? I think he would lose it. What I think needs to happen is a, a loosening of our grip of political party loyalty and an embrace of a justice for all passion that reflects God's heart. Regardless of our political leaning, we should be concerned for every sort of justice issue. So when someone is pouring out their heart as a person of color for injustice done to them, our hearts as Christians should be moved. But likewise, when someone is lamenting over the safety concerns of a spouse who is in law enforcement in one of the cities where maybe the protesting is getting out of control, we should lament with them. All injustice should bother us. We don't follow a donkey or an elephant, but Christ, the King of glory. This world is not our home. Our citizenship is not here. I mean, yes, we may be uh, born in America or citizens of America, but our real citizenship is in heaven. We are strangers and pilgrims, the Bible says, in a foreign land. Our king is Jesus, and our loyalty is to him alone. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my, sermon, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Let that sink in. I read through the book of Amos this week because it always comes to mind, you know, when I think of MLK, because he quotes from Amos in his famous I Have a Dream speech. But Amos pronounced a strong judgment against God's people. And the people, even the priests, did not want to hear the words of this uh, shepherd prophet named Amos. The main indictment was the trampling of the poor and to disregard for justice. Here's what God said through Amos. 
And I encourage you to read the book. It's only nine chapters. You could probably read it in 15, 20 minutes. But it's good just to read it through and just get a sense for what God says about justice and how angry God is toward injustice, especially toward people uh, who are poor and oppressed. But he says this, I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. That's, that's church, church services. I take no delight in them at all. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, this was like giving their tithes and offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look on them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That little portion there just... It's good to keep that bookmarked in your Bible and and just read it and understand that God is not impressed or pleased by religious works only, that we could come and we can sing and we can pray and we can fast and we can give money to the church. Um, All of that, if done without regard for the poor, is not pleasing to the Lord. That's how passionate God is about us caring for justice issues in our world. It's not an option. You know, sometimes we think, oh, the, that person there, they have a compassion gift. You know, they're, they're just, they weep for people. They cry over the homeless and stuff. That's not my thing, you know. I'm, I'm all about prayer. You know, I'm all about, uh, you know, I'm all about the music. I'm all about the, the Bible studies. Yeah, that's my thing. You know, that's my, and that, that may be your, your niche. But everything that we do, whatever our role is in the kingdom of God, whatever our profession is out in the world that God has us doing, everything should be marked by this passion for justice for people. We should care about all kinds of people. And we should be filled with God's heart when we think about injustices happening in the world and be active in making a difference. So again, I think I did this a few weeks ago. This, this is kind of what helps me in, you know, I'm taking a little liberty with my imagination, my, I guess, prophetic imagination to just imagine what Jesus would say or do if he walked amongst us in America in 2021. I imagine the Lord would visit city to city and town to town, and maybe he would gather his people, sort of a Jesus rally. And he'd probably have Democrats sit on one side and Republicans on the other. I guess those that didn't vote or those that voted independent would form a small circle uh, somewhere on the sideline but he'd probably have them divide. And I picture him sitting between the two large groups and just being silent for a while, just to make a point. The divide between black and white would be so evident. I think that alone would bring conviction of sin and tears. And then I hear him 
addressing us about this terrible division. Maybe he would say, my kingdom is not of this world. And the systems of this world are under the control of the evil one. Maybe he'd remind us that that we are one in him. I think he would chide us for putting our political views above kingdom values. Remind us that the justice issues on both sides are dear to his heart. He would plead with us to be of one mind. He would cast vision for a new kind of community that promotes justice for all people everywhere. He'd remind us that we aren't Republicans or Democrats or even Americans primarily, but that we are Christians and we are family. And that we're going to live together in the new city forever. He would call us to take up the whole range of justice causes and not just those our political party emphasizes. And he would be weeping. I can imagine Jesus then wiping his tears and addressing certain people with a sternness like he did in Matthew 23, saying, woe to you, Republicans, who are more loyal to a political party than to the Lord, hypocrites. For you undermine the needs of the poor and the refugee, and you whitewash the wickedness of your leaders. You have polluted the earth with your vileness and brought reproach to the name of God. But then, looking to the others who were secretly thinking, yeah, that's right. We knew Jesus was on our side. I hear him saying, woe to you, Democrats, who are more loyal to a political party than to the Lord, hypocrites, for the blood of unborn children cries out from the ground against you. You pervert the truth and encourage the land to be filled with sexual sins. You have thrown off the Holy One and have erected a God out of your own imagination to fit your agenda. Then maybe he changes tone back to gentle and remind us of who we really are, that we are a kingdom of priests. The spirit of the living God is upon us. We are a holy people. We are ambassadors of King Jesus, representing a holy nation. He'd urge us not to be political followers, but moral leaders in the world, to be salt and light and to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Again, I'm just using my imagination a bit, but trying to give you a sense of the heart of Christ over these things. My prayer is that we would not think like the culture, like the right or the left, And that we would not think like many Christians who are falling into this error of partial justice. My prayer is that we would think like Jesus. And we would represent him well. We would not follow leaders who do not think like Jesus. Whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any other political personality or popular political voice or even pastors with one-sided justice. We follow Jesus. 
Sometimes people say true things that we can agree with. But we cannot align fully with any leader or movement that does not reflect the mind of Christ. We are not of this kingdom. Jesus said, even as he is not of this world, so are we not of this world. He's taken us out. We're the separated ones. We no longer follow the pattern of this world. We march to the beat of a different drum. We will never fit into the world's idea of justice because at the root, there is always going to be a perversion of truth. We should be coming in from another line and never one-sided. We're the voice of truth in the world. Here's a good verse to carry with us as we engage people with truth. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies because you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I was struck this week reading uh, Dr. King's letters from a Birmingham jail as he wrote from his jail cell to the white pastors who were undermining his justice work and labeling him a dangerous extremist. But King in his letter was affectionate, humble, and respectful through and through, while still delivering his sharp, thoughtful challenges. I've seen interviews with Dr. King when people have attempted right on the show, to provoke him by accusation or insult. But he would be unmoved from his position of kindness and respect. He did not allow himself to hate and often said, we cannot drive out hate with hate. Only love can do that. The, the white man was not his enemy, but in fact, his brother, he longed to be in harmony with. He was an example for all of us in that regard. He may have not been perfect. He was a complex individual. And he, you know, we can, we can debate that. He wasn't the perfect Christian. But he was an example in certain regards that we can follow. Here's a verse to take with you. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8. I pray that we will not let our love grow cold during this season. I pray that our loyalty would be to the truth, whether it comes from the mouth of a donkey or an elephant. I pray that we would have the honesty to recognize the evils in every political party, in every secular movement, and especially in our own hearts. Amen. Jesus put this unity in us as a local church, Lord. We do pray for the greater church, but we pray for Renaissance Church, Lord. I pray that you would unify us, not around party values, but unify, unify us around the word of God and around the passions of your heart. Lord, I pray that 
Our identity, Lord, would not be Republican, Democrat, some independent party or whatever, Lord, but our identity would be found in you, that we would be followers of Christ and people of the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd make us bold and prophetic in this time of history. And I pray that we would show the world what a unified church looks like. We pray, God, that you would unify the church ethnically. Lord, we pray that the church would reflect. We pray that Renaissance Church would reflect the many colors of the kingdom of God. Lord, when we see those pictures of the church in the book of Revelation, every tribe, every nation coming together, all coming and worshiping around the throne, the king of kings. Lord, there's no divisions there. There's no black section and brown section and white section. Lord, we're one all around the throne. God, I pray that your kingdom would come on earth, even as it is in heaven. Lord, make us one. Let Renaissance Church be a house of prayer for all nations. Lord, break down walls in our day. Lord, let our generation be a generation that tears up racism, God, and solves the problem of segregation in the churches. Lord, do it one by one, God. Raise up churches all across this nation, God. Multi-ethnic, multi-culture, diverse in every way, God, to reflect who you are to a world that is confused. Lord, we cry out to you for these things. We pray until this happens. In your precious name.